0: That's U-N-I-F-Y-D slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including E.E. system.
1: Curtis and I are drafting an FFPC team on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, roto Welcome into roto Radio. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at roto bringing you... A live draft, if you will. We are going to be recording ourselves drafting an FFPC team in the Football Guys Players Championship. And we're going to pick up where we left off on Wednesday. All right. So you said you wanted to compare Penny and Gainwell head-to-head?
2: Yeah. um, Man, so we talked about the reasons that we liked Lockett's, you know, wide receiver one, upside in the, in the new, the new look Seattle offense. I mean, I know that the penny hasn't had the strongest camp. You know, if, if we go back to, you know, his prospect evaluation, um, you are up next. basically everything that happened up until the preseason action, everything was trending positively. All reports out of Seattle were were positive on penny. They were talking about it maybe as more of a committee this year. Um, it looks like they're protecting Chris Carson and they've been trying to see what they have in Penny in the preseason. So that's a little bit concerning. And DJ DJ Dallas has looked not uh, too shabby, but Penny taking over for injured Carson, I think would he'd be a league winner. Um, And I think Kenny Gainwell would prove to be a value if Miles Sanders went down, but we're also dealing with Jalen hurts, potentially Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. There's just so many other players that can put up points in that offense. Gainwell seems like he's trending towards having a little bit more of a floor than Penny, but at this point in the draft, do we want that floor? Do we want that ceiling? That's my question.
1: Hmm. So it is worth noting that we only have the three running backs, although I'm actually pretty comfortable with those three. So I'm perfectly cool with going with Rashad Penny. And I think again, it's one that fits into if we're doing this on the podcast, we should take Penny because I know Penny is the case that you made for him is one that a lot of people really enjoyed.
2: So let's take Penny um, Gainwell's ADP is actually there's a chance we could get him in round right. fifteen. Um, why, don't, why don't you do so? We I, we took Penny. Um, he's trending the wrong direction at this point in draft season, um, but I think we're you know we're we're still in alignment of what his potential upside is. Um, let's look at let's look at the predictor for round fifteen and see what our chances of getting Gainwell would be. Because I would love to follow that up with Gainwell.
1: Yeah. So let me see. So, what overall pick is it going to be at one fifteen?
2: At fifteen, it'd be fifteen eleven. So that'd be pick one seventy nine. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be forty eight percent.
1: Uh, thirty
2: seven point eight. Okay. So I mean, hey, we got we got a puncher's chance. Kenny Gainwell. Um, Tony Jones, um, you mentioned him earlier. I think that you know could potentially be uh, an interesting play. Uh, I'm just looking at I'm looking at the running backs uh, who are still available here. Carlos Hyde, I think after <laughs> after the like couldn't be grosser. Okay, there goes Kenny Gainwell. So yeah. uh, he didn't last long after our yeah. pick. Carlos Hyde couldn't be a grosser name to be bringing up. Um, at this juncture, but he is a Meyer guy. Uh, people were already concerned, you know, maybe about uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne uh, and how would Hyde impact them. And, you know, now, you know, we lose one of those two players. I mean, I think Hyde is really going to be part of a committee. Um, I don't think that he has a ton of upside, but at this point, Um, a lot of those upside guys are gone. Uh, I think Penny really was kind of the last one, unless we want to call Tony Jones that uh, the Saints have been throwing him the ball. If Camaro were to miss time, Tony Jones could be pretty exciting as the true backup in, in uh, New Orleans, other guys that are available, David Johnson, kind of dead to us Darrington Evans um, still hasn't really shown us much, but it's kind of the same principle. That we'd be looking at in a Tony Jones pick is that you're, you know, backing up one of the bona fide Belkhausen fantasy. Um, Tevin Coleman feels like dead weight. Malcolm Brown feels like a little bit of dead weight man, we're, we're just, we're in it. We took Anthony McFarland very late yesterday. Uh, we could add him to the queue as a potential later round option. I
1: actually just added two guys. Um, I did Jared Patterson and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson's very interesting to me. I think that, uh, there's a very decent chance that he ends up being the starter in the jets offense for whatever that's worth. And that's not to say he'd be the bell cow, but he might be the starter. Um, you know how useful that is. I don't know, but given where we are in this draft um you know that might be something worth considering i guess the question i would ask though myself and i'm curious what you think about this is does ty johnson really have any upside
2: probably not yeah um probably not uh i mean he, he would have upside if michael carter went down. Uh, Right. I mean, technically he's listed in front of Carter and the team is saying that it's a three headed committee. Yep. Um, Ultimately, I think, you know, Carter's more talented and in real gameplay will make that case. Um, So he would have upside there. You know, we have seen, you know, backs on, you know, bad teams finish as running back one Uh, happens almost every year. Sean was making this point, you know, as we kind of went back and forth about the relative merits of selecting DeAndre Swift. And we were talking about the pros and cons of having a back uh, in an offense like Detroit. I think a lot of the same principles would potentially apply to the backfield in New York, you know, lots of negative game scripts, lots of checking down. You know, we have a rookie quarterback, you know, he might feel more comfortable thinking Duncan um, especially if he's behind and doesn't want to behind, but not behind by a lot and doesn't want to, you know, force a turnover. So, I mean, a back could have some appeal for those reasons, but backs tied to better offenses tend to excite me more because of the touchdown upside. It, I mean, it's the idea here is that you're looking for, you know, can you tell yourself a story about why back would be exciting? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> some of the guys that we were we were targeting there uh, that I'd mentioned that would fit that uh, description where Darrington Evans and Tony Jones, our, our buddy Pat Norman takes Tony Jones at 1501, that bastard. Um, Dude, I am. <laughs> I,
1: I have had it with drafting <laughs> Pat Thornton.
2: <Norman. laughs> I mean, at least, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When you get this deep in the draft, and I think this is a good point for anybody listening, we we called it out at the beginning of the draft. The the deeper in the draft you go, you know, the, the more you have to just throw ADP out. You know, it's the reason that it's the reason that we took MVS. You know, where we took him. Um, yeah, it's the it's the reason that you know we took. Well, Fuller, where we took him, even a couple, you know, rounds earlier. It's just at some point, your target getting that guy on your team becomes more important than you know calling every pick a value.
1: And a big thing that I think often gets lost when you hear ADP and you're thinking average draft position, understand that standard deviations get huge or said differently the range in which people are taking players towards the end of the draft get massive for some players they're going in a range like it's like an 80 pick range right so they might often be going around like 180 but sometimes they're going as early as 140 sometimes they're going you know in the 200s so anchoring yourself too much to ADP and worrying about if you're picking a player at the right time or if you're getting a value or you're paying a fair price all of that you really can't do in an efficient way off of ADP towards the end of your draft. And that's actually I'm realizing something I probably should have mentioned a while ago or at some point tried to work into some of the stuff that we have on the site. So I'm glad we talked about that.
2: Okay, yeah, that's uh I facilitated you right into the point that you wanted to make. So we're yes. we're two yeah, we're two picks away from our 1511 1602 corner. I've added some players uh so two other players to the queue here Dave. Uh one of them we ended up with last night, the other we did not. Yep. Uh, KJ Hamler and Paris Campbell. Uh Paris Campbell has not shown us what he can do in the NFL yet. He's just been now completely are on the clock. uh just completely uh crushed by injuries. However, TY Hilton looks like he's going to start the season missing some time. Um You know, I've always liked Campbell as an athlete, and uh, you know, perhaps they're getting a remade version of Carson Wentz that could unlock some upside there. Um, KJ Hamler, we love as a player, path for targets a little bit tough, so you have to tell yourself a story that he's actually better than some of the guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, I wouldn't mind taking one of these guys at round four or fifteen, and then going with a back and round sixteen. Do you have a preference between Hamler and? In Campbell here, Dave.
1: I don't have a major preference. I might give a tiny edge to Hamler.
2: Fifteen seconds. Just because I think,
1: if things really work out for him, they'd be better than uh, Campbell. But who knows?
2: I I think I agree with you there, and we avoid the the championship week by. Yep. Um, So let's go. Let's go with with Hamler. I think the big question now is: Do we like Campbell enough to warrant drafting him um, over? Some of the backs that are in our our queue, or do we feel like with just four running backs at this point, we need to start addressing that position? So I guess the
1: question that I normally ask myself here is, what are the odds that either player we draft now becomes a significant contributor? And if they do, what does that look like? Um, If I'm looking at the list of running backs right now. There's Carlos Hyde, Jared Patterson, Ty Johnson, now you or are Paris on the clock. Campbell. Wow, did Carlos Hyde just go? Hester taking Carlos Hyde. I actually am inclined to think your Curtis, that the running back probably has a better chance of making a difference for us than Paris Campbell.
2: Yeah, you're probably right. And so we're back on the clock. Um, I think in terms of path to touches, Yep. Anthony McFarland looks like he's going to be the true backup to Najee Harris. Um, and, uh, he's looked good in the limited action that he's had. Um, the other names that I, I, so I think I prefer McFarland to Ty Johnson and Jarrett Patterson at this point. Any interest in Justin um, Jackson?
1: We haven't, we haven't mentioned his name. No,
2: okay. no, I'm not interested in Justin Jackson. Devonta Booker? So no. Okay. Um, so, so for me, it would be the, the, the easy points, um, at top of depth chart with, with Mark Ingram sounds gross, but he's going to get a lot left. of carries or Anthony McFarland, which guy you prefer.
1: Uh, I kind of prefer Anthony McFarland, I think.
2: Let's go that way. let's swing let's swing big. Ingram could actually even make it back to us uh, if we right. wanna you know if we want to go that direction. and it, you know Ingram's a guy that that I have been targeting uh, a little bit in these managed leagues as a uh, you know in in a situation where I don't end up super running back heavy as a bridge to who's that first waiver wire guy I'm gonna pick up. right. Um, and uh, you know he he's gonna get the goal line carries he's a trusted. He's the trusted, uh, you you, you know, sturdy running back uh, that the OC is familiar with there in in Houston, and kind of usurping David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, who probably are both more talented at this juncture in their careers. Um, But no, Ingram Ingram gets the call, so uh, you get a week or two out of him before that that uh, waiver wire stud appears. I did add Kylan Hill as a potential late guy, maybe just to get his name mentioned, uh, on the pod. There's, there's very little left at running back that I have much interest in, uh, Samaja P Ryan as a direct backup to Joe Mixon. I actually and don't team hate very, that.
1: Uh, like, I never yeah, thought he, there'd be a year where I'd find myself like looking at P Ryan. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Like, and some of this just goes back to with, because I'm drafting a billion best ball teams. Like I do think it makes sense to have some exposure to P Ryan, but last year, like, honestly, there was a couple of spots where he filled in and I was like, all right, like if Joe Mixon were ever out for a while, P Ryan, I think could hold things down decently, especially if we're thinking that the Cincinnati takes a little bit of a step forward. I did want to ask you though, did I mention uh Salvin, Achmed or Jarek McKinnon just to get your thoughts on them?
2: Uh, no, we haven't talked about either one.
1: So McKinnon obviously plays in uh, you know that Kansas City offense, which makes him interesting. And then I know there's Malcolm Brown there behind uh, and who actually just got picked behind Gaskin as well. But I thought that Ahmed actually looked pretty good last year. Uh, either of those guys interests you.
2: Um, Ahmed a little bit less at this point. Um, he's been it's been reported that he might be roster bubble. Yep. Um, and I don't know, you know, by the time we get this deep into the draft, this might be getting played on Friday. Uh, so that decision could have been made. Um, but I think Malcolm Brown, you know, really complicated things for Ahmed. Um, sure. I mean, the the depth, the depth in uh, Kansas City is always going to be, you know, interesting. I think uh, I saw that Darwin Thompson was waived earlier he was. today. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting you know, when, when we talk about what does a hit look like for a player, it was a point you were making last round. Um, I think I'd actually, you know, maybe have more interest in, uh, in McKinnon, you know, maybe than any of the other players that are currently in our queue. And um, does that include other, Ingram? I, I think it. I would probably delete everyone else and it would be the two of them. Yep. Um, or at least, you know, put them up at the top of the queue. I should also mention, we only have four picks left and two of those picks do have to be kicker and defense. Um, So we get to pick two more players. Uh, Just, I think, out of due diligence, we should revisit whether we want to draft a second quarterback or not. When we selected Brady early, we said we'd probably only go one. Um, I think that probably still makes sense, but let's just review who's on the board in case there's somebody that's, you know, of particular interest. Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, by ADP, the uh, best available options. I mean, Kirk Cousins is as steady as they come. Uh, we would not have any Vikings we'd be stacking him with. Um, that would probably be the appeal of actually spending a second pick would be, you know, do we have a, a big time stack that we'd be going in on on Brady, Brady's bye week? Um, right. The only opportunities that I potentially see there would be, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, we'd end up with a big Broncos stack of. Javante Williams, Teddy Bridgewater, KJ Hamler on, on Brady and Rojas' bye week Uh, you know, Derek Carr pairing with Henry Ruggs. Um, What about James Winston? Well, yeah, Winston's interesting. I don't know that, I mean, we wouldn't be pairing him with anyone, Right. you know, when we talk about when we talk about hits, yeah, I mean, Winston certainly has a lot of upside. Uh, We could throw him in the queue. Uh, We can throw him in the queue. I don't mind that. Might be the only guy I would actually have severe interest in. Yeah. Wide receiver-wise, we are into a batch of guys that we talked about last night and we ended up selecting Diami Brown from. Um, we've got Quez Watkins, Diami Brown, Van Jefferson, uh, Demarcus Robinson. You know That's the area that we're kind of in. Uh, we don't have a lot of interest in Traquan Smith uh, or Jamison Crowder at this point. Uh, we're not going to select Alan Lazard in this range. We already placed a bet on MVS. That's kind of the area of the draft we're in. Tight end, we're too deep. Really doesn't make sense to go three deep when when, yep. when we were invested too early with Hawkinson. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, the it's played. Tinelli, Neister, Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So the, the question is position player uh, here or, or go a little early on kicker or defense to get one we're, we're interested in. Last night. Uh, or earlier this week when we drafted with uh, the other owners, we decided to wait till rounds 19 and 20 for kicker and defense. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm fine
1: with that. Like I know Sean made a compelling case. I think it was for, uh, was it for the Rams defense at one
2: point? 49ers. Oh, uh, ers well, for Rams, for Rams, it was going to be pretty early. And then we yes. had discussed round the potentially round 18 for the 49ers because of matchups and ultimately did not, uh, did not go that direction. And I, Think they are actually off the board already? Right. Here they went in the round sixteen, so we don't need to have that conversation. Yeah,
1: so I think that we just we just wait and we take a team that has a soft um soft game in week one, or maybe you know I'll pull up the strength of schedule a streaming app and we can take a look at that. So you I think I'd prefer next. to wait and we use this on positional players, uh, which Mark Ingram is still there, so I'm cool with with uh, now, taking a shot Mark on Mark Ingram. Um, the we question. Jet McKinnon.
2: Jet McKinnon is still available,
1: dude. You want to double tap them and see what happens?
2: Let's 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 go, McKinnon. Um, okay. I, I, the the upside's super appealing there. Obviously, clear difference in yeah. In he what he would hit be my uh, out of the,
1: like. yeah out of the two, he he'd be my pick.
2: <laughs> okay, so so with our round eighteen pick. Uh let's just double check place kicker to see if there's anybody that would make sense to go a little out of order here. We have Koo and Suck Up. We did go with Suck you up. up. next. Um, we Blair talked a little bit about, you know, pairing your kicker now with other offensive players clock. in our draft uh the other night, pairing Suck Up with Brady. Um I think he had said maybe there was maybe there's a slight correlation, not enough probably to reach uh by a round on. We're on the clock. I don't have a lot of conviction so Jameis winston would be if we're going for all upside this late in the draft would potentially be the play it would be tough to ever start him over brady Mm -hmm. um, which is the hard part about taking that that pick there Um, anybody jumping out to you dave honestly um
1: not that we have in the queue right now i'm taking a quick look through the only we do have
2: dime brown Dimie brown that's the name the, i was going
1: to say that's the only one that's somewhat interesting to me first quest Watkins, like, which is weird to say but i think
2: um let's go oh let's actually let's go brown uh, brown okay. again just to give us a little bit of that late round side All right. So (laughs) so our hand is now going to be forced uh, around 19 and 20 will be forced into defense and kicker, which is fine. Um, You know, the,
1: the other thing, because people might be curious if you look at the list of quarterbacks that is still available, uh, my computer actually is not letting me pivot over to that right now. So Curtis, I might have to ask you to read it.
2: No, it actually won't let you pivot over to it because, uh, we're not able to select those players. Got it. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's a, it's a quirk of the FFPC draft applet. Because it's a because it's actually in the rules of this tournament that you have to draft a defense and a kicker. They don't allow you to accidentally select a, a position that's not eligible for you. I actually really like that feature. Yeah, because
1: you can't even waste your I mean,
2: time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're pros. I mean, we're playing for 500k here. This is in the home league. We're gonna make <laughs> sure it's well oiled here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that uh,
1: there's still a couple of like decent options, and we would be perfectly fine. Um, picking up somebody in Brady's bye week to cover, or, you know, if something really strange happened and, you know, he wasn't firing on all cylinders, like we were expecting to get hurt. There, there's, there's other guys out there. So as far as the defenses go, um, Denver is a pretty interesting option. I'm not sure if they're available. Curtis, let me take a quick look. Um, yeah, they're probably gone. Too. I'll yeah, read off gone. the names that are interesting. Um, well, San Francisco obviously is gone. Um, the Giants, they gone. Jacksonville actually starts off with Houston, and then Denver could be interesting. Um. The Rams are gone. Hmm. Those seem like they would be the best options.
2: I think the exercise right now would be looking at uh, week one opponents. Uh, We are starting to lose some defenses from the board.
1: Yeah. So I was looking at week. I was looking at teams with a favorable week one and
2: week two matchups. Okay. you know, um, in the, in our quad managed draft, we ended up going with Carolina. Um and we kind of had the discussion, you know, just trying to find a team that that has back to back favorable matchups when we actually don't know a lot about uh all <laughs> exactly. the opponents yet. Uh, deep d- picking team defense correctly. One of the reasons that we don't advocate for investing early in it, you know, and we saw somebody invest in Washington team defense in round thirteen in this draft. Um, when you hit on a defense, Uh, If it's an, if it's kind of one of those all time defenses, it can provide a really nice positional advantage. You know, if you get think back to some of those Raven squads of the early to mid two thousands. And, you know, uh, I think in the early 2010s, there was a new England year where they really hit, you know, 200 plus uh, fantasy points. It's just rare and it's very difficult to project. Um, And so, you know, we've never advocated for that. And so, you know, we're going to be streaming our defenses here. I've got, I can't even recall who Tennessee has in week one, Dave. Uh, I've got Carolina and Tennessee loaded in the queue. Um, New Orleans would potentially have... Tennessee is Arizona, by the way. Sorry, not to cut you off. Tennessee, Tennessee is yeah. Arizona. Okay. Um, we we would probably hope to do better than that. Um, what do we have in, uh, I think Dallas draws Tampa Bay. They do, yeah. Reserves. memory uh, What about Vegas? Who's Vegas got? They have the Ravens. Vegas has the Ravens. Yep. Um,
1: Atlanta has Philly? Philadelphia. Philly has Atlanta. Philly so, has Atlanta. Yep.
2: Hmm. You said Jacksonville had New York.
1: Jacksonville. Yeah, they have two interesting games to open because no, they yeah they have Houston actually Houston and Denver.
2: Oh, Houston and Denver. I I really don't mind targeting Houston. Yep. Um and some of the teams we were talking about, I mean, Carolina just went, actually. Yeah.
1: Who's Buffalo have? Because Buffalo is Pittsburgh, still. I'm pretty sure they play the Steelers. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean... Seattle is Indy. Yeah. Actually, yeah, they have Indy. That's a decent matchup to start off, I think, who's, for us.
2: Who's Seattle have in week two? They have Tennessee in week two. The only thing I don't love about playing Seattle is, you know, we're gonna be going up against Jonathan Taylor. I think I mean Seattle can still pound Indy and Taylor can still have a good game. Right. Um it is negatively correlated. Uh it would feel better to target the Houston offense, I think, uh, than target the Indianapolis offense. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. So I think, so I think right, I'd rather go there. Yes,
1: yeah, so I think right now Jacksonville. Uh, would be the pick. So hopefully nobody's listening in on us. Uh
2: at kicker though, I do want to raise a point. Um this is this comes down to, you know, who do you prefer? Who would who would you hate to miss out on more? Um I do really like the idea of of Greg Zerline on a Cowboys offense where Dak's healthy all year. Mm-hmm. Um you know that could could have some explosive upside even out of our kicker position. Um Explosive which would be pretty exciting. Out of
1: the, I yeah. don't know if I've ever heard that phrase yeah.
2: before. Well, you see, I mean, last week or last year, we saw what I think at least two games where uh Tyler Bass had uh five field goals or more for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just get into a situation where the offense is a little out of sync, but they continue to move the ball up and down the field, you just get some of those games where, or some of those weeks where a kicker can actually be the difference maker in your week. Um, for sure. And, you know, your typical typically I'm much more comfortable just targeting, you know, high powered offense to find that upside at kicker. Um, and, and when you do that, you don't necessarily have to burn, you know, a dollar fab, you know, each week, i um, trying to cycle through kickers and looking for matchups. If you just, if you get one from a good offense overall, um, Dallas also plays inside uh, a lot of their games. So I do kind of like that. I don't know if the Jacksonville defense is thought of so highly that they would go before, round 20. I do think that, you know, Zerline is a a name that, you know, he's known for his big leg, the long field goals. We do get extra points for field goal length. Uh, They're worth more up next. Um, I I would kind of tend to opt for Zerline and then we would pick Seattle as our backup to Jacksonville if Jacksonville goes. I think that's my preference.
1: Yeah. I think that that is extremely reasonable. So uh, Zerline would be the pick. Is there another kicker that you're interested in if uh, that falls through and mean machine here
2: um, goes with uh, Greg Zerline? Well, I, I think uh, every fantasy you man's, uh, you know, favorite kicker mascot, <laughs> Rodrigo Blankenship, yeah. uh, is, is fun. Uh, you know, I think Robbie Gold could be interesting if if the San Francisco offense takes that big step, um, you know, with with all of the passing game weapons being healthy and, Getting sermon to add to Mostert and you know Lance, so that could be interesting there. But uh, we're on the clock, and Zerline made it, so I kind of like just to go that direction. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, we've got one more pick, and uh, it'll be Mister Irrelevant for the Team Rotoviz squad next. (laughs) Uh, Matt Matt Prater goes at pick nineteen.
0: Now, don't do us dirty, leave us
2: Jacksonville. Wow. All right, all right. There we we go. Justin Jackson. So we're going to be, we're going to be targeting the Houston offense in week one. Uh, If you do play in a format where you are required uh, to draft your defense, um, you know, you can follow along if you want to wait till the last round, target the Texans like we did. Um, If you do not play in a format that requires that you draft a team defense, uh, I I would actually recommend uh, considering waiting um, and just drafting another player. And then, you know, picking up your defense, um, you know, after waivers clear, just in case like a veteran signs unexpectedly with the team, you never know, you know, like Todd Gurley has been linked to the Ravens in recent days, you know, just situations like that gives you a chance to evaluate if you want to throw an extra dart instead of, uh, you know, targeting a defense during your draft.
1: Yeah. So that was a fun one, Curtis, the final squad here. Let me read it down. We got Tyreek Hill, Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Lockett, TJ Hawkinson, Javante Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller, Ronald Jones, Tom Brady, Henry Ruggs, Jared Cook, MVS, Rashad Penny, KJ Hamler, Anthony McFarlane, Jared McKinnon, Diami Brown, Greg Zerline, and the Jacksonville defense. The question I have for you is how do you not only how do you feel about that, but normally when you finish a draft, do you feel
2: good about it or do you feel a little a little nervous? I always feel good about my drafts. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel good about everything I do. Uh, <laughs> Dave, we talk we 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 talk about it all the time, man. Work hard, stay positive, make it happen. I mean, even if even if this draft proves to have been, even if we end up flopping seven or eight picks, we're gonna grind harder on this waiver wire than anybody else in this league. We're still gonna find a way to be in it. So I'm going to feel great about it because the guys that hit are going to be hits and we're going to fill in the cracks. So, um, yeah. And I mean, I think this, you know, you made the point earlier in the draft around, you know, some of the benefits of drafting with a partner. I mean, it's definitely fun. Um, it creates a lot of discussion. Uh, you allow yourself maybe to not get take locked, especially if you draft a lot of leagues. Um, you know, it gives you a chance to diversify uh, your investments a little bit, but then, you know, when you're looking at the waiver wire, uh, and you're looking at start sits, you know, it's a, somebody else to to play things off of. And so I I think we're, our team's going to be in just a little bit better spot um, feeding, you know, from, from both of us, uh, you know, managing it all year. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel great. I'm really excited about the receivers we ended up with, even though we went early tight end and, and tapped running back twice in the top five rounds. I think, I, I just think our seven deep man are seven deep with with Ruggs and Valdez-Scantling being huge upside plays at wide receiver six and seven. I mean, both of the Ruggs could be the one in Vegas. Uh, yes. And we saw what Nelson, Nelson Aguilar did. You know, he was fantastic last season. Uh, and, you know, Ruggs objectively is more talented than Aguilar. We don't know if it will pan out his profile doesn't uh, typically pan out, but if he did, I mean, he, he should be Aguilar plus. Uh, so that's very exciting, and and we talked about MVS, uh, you know, when when we were making that pick. The draft is officially closed. Um, Dave, I'm very excited to manage this team with you, and uh, I, I think there's enough overlap with our our co-owned team, Rotoviz squad with Sean and Blair, that we can root for many of the same players. Yeah, it's also nice that this is in the FPC and not the main event, so we wouldn't be competing um, you know, we wouldn't be competing with a quad owned squad, uh, that our, our partners are invested in as well. Uh, but that would be split four ways instead of two. So a lot of those conflicts <laughs> of interest are gone, uh, which feels really nice. Cause you know, we just want everyone to get along. So uh, how do you, how do you feel? I, I don't want to, I mean, maybe you're nervous and I'm just delusional.
1: No, I mean, it's the, the only, like the, the, the thing is this is an odd build for me. This is something that I have not put together in a long time, a team like this, but It's hard to not get excited about the possibilities that we have on this team. Like what I like about this team more than anything is that I see a window where every guy on here could put together the best season of his career to some extent. You know, maybe that's harder with a guy like Tyreek Hill or Tyler Lockett, who've already had really strong seasons. But I think you get my point. I think every player that I see on this roster has really solid potential to far outperform Where we got them, uh, you know, and you may maybe you say that starts somewhere around like TJ Hawkinson range, uh, so I feel good about that. Like you said, the wide receiver core is deep. I like the fact that we got a tight end that's going to be pushed and probably heading into next season will be in the elite group of tight ends. So this team has a lot going for it. We still have Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, if things work out for Williams or Ronald Jones like the way that we think that they could. Uh, It's an exciting team. There's a lot of ifs in there, but what I have come to realize, and you can correct me if you think differently about this, but what I've realized over the years is that a lot of people view ifs on a roster as a bad thing, but if you're in a tournament, the ifs are really what's going to make the difference. If you're just going with a situation where you're carrying forward what happened last year or you're carrying forward your expectations for this year, which are honestly are largely going to be based off of last year, it's hard to put together the
2: type of team that wins one of these contests. Uh, that, that was very well stated. I don't think I have anything else uh, to add. Um, you you got you to make your picks. You got to live with them. And uh, the thing that we're not going to do is get take locked into the guys on our roster, particularly probably starting at Penny yep. and um, on down. Um, round 14 on, they definitely felt like some big swings. If they don't fall the right way, we'll move on from those guys, uh, potentially even before week one. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, who, who knows what could happen. There could be another practice injury. There could be a trade, uh, any number of things that could make you know, some guys that went undrafted a little bit more appealing. So, you know, we hope that listening through this draft, uh, was entertaining at minimum and very strategically <laughs> helpful to you at, at maximum. Um, you know, if you end up with a corner pick this year, it is very interesting to be able to have time to think about um, how you need to tie together those positions. You have the advantage of of knowing that you know the other owners right around you are gonna have to do the same thing, and you can start to maybe project a little bit about what they're going to do. We had a couple of good guesses positionally throughout this draft that occurred. So um, you can use those strategies, whether you're at the front end uh, or the back end. Um, of your draft. And um, Dave and I just want to wish you all all the luck in the world uh, in your drafts and in managing your rosters this year. You'll be able to listen to us throughout the regular season and grind your waiver wire with us. Uh, We'll be letting you know uh, which players we're bidding on. Uh, In some cases, uh, as long as there aren't too many uh, curious ears listening uh, (laughs) later on in the season, particularly, we'll probably tell you exactly how many dollars we're bidding on these players as well. So Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. And uh, man, let's just go crush 2021. I'm feeling 500k uh, split two ways, Richard Dave.